Praise God. Hey guys, nice to see you. Fantastic. Why don't you turn to the person next to you so you get better looking every time I see you. Oh, come on. Cheer up, you're in church. Hey, so good to see you. So good to be here. Am I not on? Sounds good to me. It's got a light on it. It says on. Am I on? Am I on now? Am I on? Can you hear? Can everyone hear me? Ah, we'll go with it. Yeah, we'll go with it. Fantastic. Great. So my name's Nigel, um, or Nige. If you call me Nigel, it feels like I'm being told off by my mum. So uh, uh, my name's Nige. I'm a pastor at, oh, that sounds like it's working. Yeah. I'm a pastor at uh, Rediscover Church uh, in Exeter, which is an Elim church in Exeter. An Elim church uh, in Exeter. Always happens when I say Elim. Um, an Elim church. So I was with AOG for 20... Could you take me down just a little bit? Is that okay, guys? Because I do raise my voice when I get excited. That's wonderful, thanks. Um, so I, I was with AOG for 20 years uh, as a minister and working within churches and itinerant ministry around about as well. And then uh, three and a half years ago, we transferred over uh, to uh, an Elim church in Exeter, uh, which is a growing church, it's an exciting church, um, love it. We call it Rediscover because we want people to rediscover what it is to connect with God, to have that super relationship with him and also have community and love one another as well and encouraging people that it's about in our journey, not a one-time decision, but about growing in what God has for us as well and rediscovering all the plans and purposes that God might well have for us. And we're seeing a good season, a great season of God uh, moving. So we've got a church uh, that has a couple services on a Sunday um, and it's an exciting sort of time. We do a half past nine and a half past 11 uh, sort of service. We're looking to see if we can uh, get a bigger building. We looked at some land. Land in Exeter is premium at the moment um, and probably looking at well over sort of a million an acre easily. So um, we're, we're trying to look to see if we can find some land to build. We want to build a 2,000 seater auditorium if we can. Uh, and we're excited about what God has for us because we're always looking to see how we can look at what God wants for our lives and not be restricted by what we see in front of us at this moment in time. So although we might have all being well, uh, we have about 600 people that would come and fellowship on a Sunday. We're looking to know that in 1.1 million people across Devon just alone, 600 isn't too big, huh? And we need to have some form of facility that will at least reach out and reach a community that is desperate for Jesus. And how can we help them rediscover what God has for their lives and what God can do? How can we help them discover that there's something new, there's something different for their lives, that what they're seeing at the moment doesn't have to be the status quo, but God has a plan and God has a purpose for their life as well. So life's exciting, life's good, and I'm really excited about the journey that you guys are on as well. I believe that God has something special in store for you. Why don't you turn to the person next to you? You've got to do this now, okay. And the title of today is Being in the Same Place but Having a Different View. What do you say to somebody next to you? Same place, different view. What do you give it up? <clears throat> Same place, just a different view. 
Uh, before I went to Elim I, 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 and the church we were in, we've been itinerating around the country and you go to many different churches and they, they introduce you in many different ways. And the best introduction I think I had, I was at a church called Purple Sheep. I mean, Level 10 is a good name for a church, yeah? But Purple Sheep is probably the best name that I've ever come across in my life. Um, and they call it Purple Sheep. And I, I, was, I was waiting to get up on my feet and the pastor was ever so excited. Um, about a story he wanted to tell. So just before I got up on my feet, he begins to tell this story. And the story goes that there was a couple in this church that were trying to have a baby. And they couldn't have this baby. They'd had treatment, all sorts of stuff. And they were just not being successful in conceiving and having a baby. So they decided and came to the pastor and said, Pastor, would you pray alongside us? That'll be fantastic. And uh, we want to conceive. So he said, yeah, we'll commit every Friday we will come along and we will meet together early morning and we will pray and we will continue to meet every Friday morning until you conceive, until you have a baby. So this went on for weeks, for weeks, for weeks, for weeks, going into months. I think it had even been a couple of years. Every Friday he got up early, he drove to their house, he prayed with them and on this Sunday morning he stood up and he tells his story of what they've been doing and he said, I have the great news of telling you all that this couple have now now conceived and they're going to have a baby and the place erupts the whole church erupts they're all cheering and screaming and then he said the best line I've ever heard before you get up to speak he said so if you want to have a baby come and see me in the office after <laughs> fantastic how cool is that that's brilliant if you have a baby come and see me in the office I'll oh, forget it don't worry Ah, brilliant. I didn't mention it once. <laughs> ah, brilliant. Okay, so I'm going to read some scripture to you, and the scripture I'm going to read to you guys today comes from the feeding of the 5,000. I'm going to take this portion of scripture that I'm going to read. It's from Mark 6 today, okay? And we're going to see for the next hour and a half what God has to say to us, okay? I'm joking, I'm joking. All right. Okay, so Mark 6, it says this from verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, let us go off by ourselves to a remote place and rest for a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So they left by boat for a remote place where they could be alone. But when the people recognized them and saw them leaving, the people from many towns uh, 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 went ahead along the shore and got ahead of them. And Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place. It's getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to nearby farms and villages and they can buy something to eat. But Jesus challenged them. He said, you feed them. What with, they asked. We'd have to work for months and months to earn enough money to buy enough food for all these people that are here. Jesus asked, how much bread do you have? Go out, go and find out. They came back reported that they have five loaves of bread and two fish. 
then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in the green grassy place. So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. And Jesus took the five loaves and two fish. And looking up towards heaven, he blessed them. And then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so that they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share, and they ate as much as they wanted. And afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls left over of bread and fish. In total, 5,000 men and the families were fed that day. I love a good miracle. I don't know about you. I love a good miracle. I love reading about how God can take something small and he can do something fantastic with that small potential. I believe there's potential in each and every one of our lives. In fact, I believe there's potential as we come together as a church to see something great happen in this area of Stanmore that you have been placed. In fact, I would encourage you, yes, you are a church that reaches out to a community, but why do we sometimes limit ourselves to what we think God has called us to do? And yet there is an even bigger, wider community that God is trying to reach as well. There's a bigger, further community, perhaps of Winchester, who knows, perhaps of Hampshire, perhaps of what God wants to do with just us, us small people. I believe this, that we can often, we, we reap, we, we, we grow what we sow. We grow what we sow. I wasn't a, a great gardener. I'm not a great gardener. In my uh, opinion, the first sin happened in the garden, so stick away from it. Yeah. But I'm not a great gardener, so I was at a church, and this gardener came up to me, and he gave me a bag of seeds. On the front of the bag of seeds was a load of tomato uh, pictures, and he took it. He said, I want you to have a go at growing some seeds. I know you say you don't like gardening, but have a go, Nigel. So I take these seeds home. I walk in. I put them on my side by the the, uh, kettle, and I carry on life for a couple of weeks, and these seeds just sat there. And every time I made a drink, I'd see the seed, and there's something in me, but okay, have a little go. So I take these seeds, I get myself a grow bag, I take it to the greenhouse that we had that had never been used in my house. And I put this grow bag down, I open it up, I put the seeds in the grow bag, and then I start to water the seeds, I start to look after the seeds. It now becomes not only a challenge, a little obsession. I'm watering it as much as I can. I'm looking after it. I'm doing everything I can. I'm sitting there. I'm talking to the jolly seeds because it says if you talk to plants, they sometimes grow better. I'm having full-on conversations with some growbacks because there's potential in the seed. And after I'm watering it, after I'm looking at it, after I'm looking at this small little seed, this small thing, that has potential inside it as I'm nurturing it, as I'm growing it, as I'm not just, I'm enjoying the season that I'm in, but I'm eager to see something else. As I'm nurturing that small place, suddenly I see a shoot of new things starting to come up. Now I'm really excited. My hard work is starting to pay off. My watering, my talking to the plants, my preaching at the grow bags are starting to happen, starting to flourish. I, and these, I put some canes in, the shoots start to grow up the canes. I think my tomatoes are coming on, this is fantastic. And suddenly some fruit starts to come. We're really getting excited now, this is really getting good. 
So I start nurturing them some more, caring for them some more, and suddenly I think, I don't think my tomatoes look quite right. I don't think they look quite as healthy as I hoped they would look. So I go get Andrea. I said, you know, I've been planted these seeds and I wanted to grow some tomatoes. Could you come and have a look at my tomatoes for me? So Andrea comes out and she goes into the greenhouse with me and she looks at the tomatoes. And after a very short while, she turned to me and she said, she said, your tomatoes aren't doing very well, but your cucumbers are absolutely brilliant. <laughs> what I didn't realize was the gardener had put cucumber seeds inside and not tomato seeds. Didn't matter what was on the outside of the cover. What mattered was the potential that was contained within the seed. And you can have as many notices, as many outreaches, as many nice banners as you like. You can call yourselves level 10. But is that John 1010 seed experience been birthed in your life that's bringing forth the fruit that is contained on the banner on the outside of the church. And I believe there is potential within the seed that you have that God wants to grow within this church. And I believe it's a season that you're in of seeing what God wants to do. But often we can be captivated with what we don't see or what we do see rather than what God can see. You see, you can be in the same place. You can just have a different view. How can someone be excited about the situation we're in and others can be in the same place and disillusioned about the same place you can be in? 1991 was the date that Andrea and I, the year that Andrea and I got married. In fact, it was the 10th of August. That's correct, isn't it? Oh, thank you very much. The 10th of August, 1991. So 29 years this year. That's not bad for a Cornishman adding that that quickly. 29 years this year. And we decided to go on honeymoon to Austria. I have no idea why we decided to go to Austria. We don't like walking, we don't like mountains, but anyway, we went to Austria on honeymoon. And we got there, and as we got to our room, we'd opened the shutters of the room, and there in front of us was this big, whacking, great big mountain. I mean, it was humongous. Snow on the top of the lot, you know, one of those sorts of things. It's the middle of the summer, but still snow on top of this mountain. Every morning, Andrea would open up those shutters and she'd look at me, back lying in the bed, as we looked out those shutters, and she'd say, let's go to the top of the mountain. At that moment, I suddenly thought, although we've been engaged for about 18 months and been going out for quite a while, I don't think I've ever told her I'm scared of heights. And the last thing I wanted to do was go to the top of the mountain. Hey, you with me? I didn't want to go. She was really eager. So I came up with a foolproof plan, guys. You can use this one. It is so good. If you don't want to do anything and your wife wants you to do it. You ready for this? This is golden. Yeah. So every day, Andrea would open up those shutters. She'd look back at me. She'd say, let's go to the top of the mountain. Here it is. Get ready to write this down. I would say, let's go shopping. Hey, how about that? That's good, isn't it? Let's go shopping. And she'd go, forget about the mountain, let's go shopping! Fantastic! Vienna, Salzburg, keep going, Innsbruck, let's just keep shopping! I don't want to go to the top of the mountain. 
And then one day she looked back at me, early days of our marriage, honeymoon, she looked back at me. She had that look in her eyes that I've seen for nearly 30 years now. And she says, we're going to the top of the mountain. <laughs> I went, yes, my love. Well, we don't want to walk. I mean, it's a long way up there, huh? She said, let's go up on the cable car. Bad news. The last thing I want to do is go on top of a cable car. I don't want to go anywhere near it. I don't want to do it, but we walk over there. I'm walking quite slow. She said, come on, hurry up, hurry up. We get to the bottom of the mountain. There is a cable car. She's on it like a shot. It's probably a cable car. It takes about 20, 25, 30 sort of people, you know. It's one of those cable cars. She's in it. I'm following along. I'm not really liking it very much. Pressed up against the window as the cable car goes, you can start to feel it just flowing in the wind a little bit. You know, the, the trees are getting smaller, the cars are getting smaller, the people now can't be seen. It's just going in this cable car. She's looking at me, she's going, this is wonderful. I'm thinking, stupid woman. <laughs> oh, I'm crazy. This is, this is mental. You see, you can be in the same place. You can just have a totally different view. Stage number two, as we came out of that cable car, she ran on to the next stage, was a cable car that took about five, six people at the most. No windows, just a bit of mesh. She was in it like a shot. The other five or six joined us straight after. I'm now pushed up against the window. I can now not only see the small cars, I can't even see the small cars. They've totally disappeared. I can just see snow-capped top of the mountains as the wind is now rushing through. She's looking and saying, isn't this fantastic? I think it's the worst experience so far of my life. This is awful. Same place, different view. The third section wasn't even a cable car. It was a seat that you had didn't stop and you had to position yourself on the edge of the mountain and wait for the seat to come behind you, hit the back of your legs, you sat down on the seat and then you had to lean forward yourself and pull a safety barrier over yourself. At this moment I'm thinking this is as far as I want to go but she's gone, whoosh! Between two mountain peaks, she's off, and I think rubber hits the road. You're either going to look a wimp, Nigel, or you're going to go for it. So I sat in the little seating position. I waited for the car to come, the, the seat to come behind me. It hit me on the back of the legs. I sat back. It launched me, launched me off the side of the mountain. As we're going up, I lean forward. I grab the barrier. I bring it over myself, and she's in front of me by about by about 40 meters. I'm on the seat behind, and as we get between these two mountain tops, the cable cars. There on a seat, thousands of feet in the air, the seat begins to rock. She looks round, she sees how white I am, she says, are you okay? It echoes around the mountains, okay, 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 okay. No, I'm jolly well not, 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 not. Everything in me is going, jump, it'll all be over. Just jump, finish, it'll all be over. What a nightmare. She's saying, isn't this wonderful, 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 wonderful. No, 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 no. You see, you can be in the same place. You can just have a different view. And here in this scripture, as I pick out now just a few views 
that are being seen here, there's an opportunity for a miracle to happen, for a seed of potential to take root in very different, difficult circumstances. As they'd just been away on a ministry tour, that's what it says. They'd just been away serving and working hard. They want to have some rest, but they now come back. And it seems that the moment that they needed rest, they just can't get some rest. There are people coming and going. It is so unrestful that at this moment in time, it says that they can't even fix themselves something to eat. People are just demanding of their lives in, in, out, in, out. A day in, day out, it just seems like there's more demands and more demands. So much so, Jesus says to them, why don't we go to a remote place? Somewhere away from it all. Somewhere we can get some rest. Have you ever felt like that in church life? I feel like that in the church that I can be, and I'm in, that sometimes there's just so many demands on yourself. There's so much stuff that needs to happen. It seems like you are overridden. It seems like there's not even time to fix yourself a cup of coffee and something to eat. It's just another demand after another demand. Ministry, guys, can be tiring. But yet Jesus said, there's an importance here, guys, because we've got to step away from the busyness of stuff. We've got to work at relationship. So let us, let us, Jesus and you, the disciples, let us step away for a moment that we can have relationship. If there's an encouragement I want to bring to you is this. Don't allow your remoteness to bring a disconnection with God. God wants to connect with you in such a way that many of us do not give enough time to what God is trying to establish in our lives. Just a few weeks ago, I went and had a meeting with the leader of Exeter Council. As myself and the other minister we run church with, as Mark and I walked into his office, the leader of Exeter Council, the first question we asked was this, how much time do you have? To which he said, I've probably got about 30 minutes that I can spend with you. You see, when I realise, when we realise how much time we have got to sit and talk with him, that determined the type of conversation we were going to have. It determined the the amount of level of conversation we would have. If he said to us, I have five minutes or I've got ten minutes, I would have said what I said in half an hour, but tried to keep it so concise that I got all my points across and hoped that he got my point. But because he said we had half an hour, I was able to sit with him, Mark was able to sit with him, and we were able to pour out of our lives the vision that we've got for the city, the things that we want to do and input and do in the city, the things we want to try to achieve, how we want to see transformation and what it wants to bring. We had time to put some seeds of vision within his heart because of the amount of time we had. And it's like that with God. Often we're saying, God is saying to us, how much time do you have? And in the busyness of even serving him, the busyness of life, we are saying, I've got five minutes. 
And God will input into our lives within that five minutes. Yes, I, I guarantee that. But the level of deepness of relationship that you can have depends upon the time that you can give. And God wants relationship with us. So he says to his disciples, let us step away from this busyness and let us go to a remote place. A place where I won't be distracted. I was to show you my diary this morning uh, at a certain time of day every day it just says Nigel meeting WTK which means Nigel meeting with the king I put it in my diary because I know if I don't put it in my diary other important aspects will come in but I can just say I've got a meeting then I, I, I can't give up that meeting sorry I'm already booked on that occasion there is an importance of taking time out of a busyness to understand what the potential is within me that I might see that fruit being birthed within my life. And what God's calling at this time, I believe, for this wonderful church is to recognize what potential is within your lives. Not what picture has been on the front of the seeds that you hoped would be, but what's contained within the seed that God has planted within your DNA. Perhaps we planted ourselves and we've hoped for tomatoes, but actually God's always wanted to grow cucumbers. God wants to do something, but we need to know what the seed is. Because you, do, you work with seeds in different ways. You nurture them in different ways. You add to them in different ways. You plant them in different ways. And I believe that God wants to do something, guys, unique with you guys that is going to be tremendous, is going to be wonderful. It's going to be unique to yourselves. But it's a time to take some time aside to come together on Tuesday nights and to pray and say, God, let us lay aside our own tomato thoughts and allow us to see the picture of what you want to achieve. That doesn't happen when you're busy. It happens when you take time aside, when you can spend time with God. So my encouragement to you today is where is your remote place? Yet Jesus gets in a boat with his disciples and they start to go to this remote place. But just as life is, when they get there, people have already gone ahead of them. They've already gone to that place and they find there are thousands of people that are already there in their remote place and Jesus has compassion on them. He says, okay, I want to take this time, but it seems like there's people here and they've got needs, so let's just service these needs for a moment. Let's just spend some time ministering. So he starts to pour in to their lives. And at that moment, he says, look, I can't just bring some stuff from Scripture and some thoughts and some parables, but I need to feed them as well. So he says, can you go and find some food well first of all the disciples come to him and they say these people are hungry they've been listening for ages send them away this is a desolate place and I ask myself the question this what is it is it a remote place Jesus said to them look you've been busy let us we can't even make a meal for ourselves let us get in a boat and let us go to a remote place so we can spend time together. They get there, there are people there. He starts to input into their life. The disciples see that they're, they're hungry and they come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, send them away. This is a desolate place. And I say, what one is it? 
my engineering brain from my training goes, I can't cope with this. Is it a remote place or is it a desolate place? Which one is it? Because they're both vastly different. The fact is this, you can be in the same place. You can just have a different view. You can just see things in a different way. And in that moment of desolation, in that place of desolation where there seems to be a place where people need to be fed, where people need to be touched, where their lives need to be touched, he says to them, don't send them away. This is critical. We've inputted into their lives spiritually. Now we need to input into their lives practically. You can't send them away to someone else. It's something we've got to do. What is it that is contained with us? What is it that we have got that we can bring into a desolate situation? Go away and find out what we have. And I believe this season that you're in at the moment is a crucial season of finding out what you have. What do we have that God can touch? and feed a multitude with. What is it that's already contained within us? Not who is it that's going to come in and change everything and bring new vision, but what is it that we hold? What is it that we contain? What is it that we've got that God wants to bless? and bring something fresh and something new to feed a miracle. So they go off, yeah? And they have a look around. And there they find the loaves and the fishes. And they bring it back to God. They bring it back to Jesus. He says, what have you found out, guys? He says, I found five loaves, two fishes. We, we found these loaves and fish. It, it, that's what we have got. That's what we can bring he says, great. He takes what they have and he blesses it. He begins to pray over it. He blesses it. And he begins to dismantle it and break it. But before he does that, he says to them, get the people to sit down in 50s or 100s, but get them to sit down in the green, grassy place. I go, come on, what is it? Jesus said, let us go to a remote place. They get to the remote place, they speak into people's lives. The disciples see they're hungry, they come to him and says, can you tell the people to go? This is a desolate place. Jesus says, don't let them go, it's our job to feed them. They go and find the loaves and fishes, they come back to Jesus, they say, we've got the loaves and fishes, and Jesus said, fantastic, let me bless it. Now get them to sit down in the green grassy place. And I go, what is it? Is it a remote place? Is it a desolate place? Or is it a green grassy place? Because all of them are so vastly different. The truth is, you can be in the same place, you can just have a different view. The geography of where they were at, it's a place called Bethesda. Bethesda, this town, had the, the sea that would come right up to its shores and come and it would water and it would come and bring nutrients to the ground. And it would come and it was a lush place that they could grow, but yet with the town behind them, the sea behind them, and standing even in the lush place, 
if they turned themselves and they faced one direction, they would be facing the wilderness, they'd be facing the desolation, they'd be facing the place that you didn't want to be in the middle of the night because there was no shelter, they would have been in danger. It was the wilderness. And you see, Jesus was looking at the lushness of where there can be a miracle, but they were looking at the wilderness of where there could be harm. You see, you can be in the same place, you just have a different view. And my encouragement to you is this. Don't be disillusioned from the place you are in at the moment. Don't worry about where God has brought you to this place because what we need to see is not the disappointment of, oh, we're going into another wilderness time. We seem to be leaderless. We don't know where we're heading at this moment in time. We could be in danger, but recognize that Jesus is with you and he's saying where you stand is not just remote, it is not desolate, but it is a lush green place, a place of the miracle, a place where you can reach the multitude and you can feed their needs. So lift up your eyes and see what God wants to do. Many years ago, I was going to an AOG church in Winchester. And that day I left Andrea and my daughter Emily, they're both, my kids Aaron and Emily, they're married now and, and left home. So I think since last time I came, it's been, it's been 14 years since I was last here uh, speaking. I thought I must have done a real duff sermon that day, not to be invited back. Hey? But anyway, 14 years, hopefully it's not, don't, don't call me in 14 years time, I'll probably be retired. All right, so, so let's do it before then. But um, so uh, I'm bringing Aaron with me on this trip. He loved coming here. He loved going to Terry and Jude's house and going on snake hunts with Terry in the garden. He just loved it. He loved sitting on Terry's uh, uh, grass cutting machine and, and cutting his lawn for him. He loved playing with Paul and stuff. So I, I, I had to come. And on the way up, Aaron said to me, he said, Dad, I'm doing a project at school on Stonehenge. He started to tell me, all about this project, some of the myths, some of the things behind Stonehenge. And I said, Aaron, we are gonna drive right past Stonehenge. Would you like to go and see it? We've got time. His eyes opened really wide. He went, yeah, I love to go and see Stonehenge. So like any good father, I came off the A303, I went to Stonehenge, I saw the price of getting in and thought, I'm not going in there, <laughs> hey? You're not a chance, son. I'm going to disappoint you. Life is full of disappointments. Here's your first one, yeah? We ain't going in. But I thought what we could do is we could walk up the road and we could look. So hand in hand, we walked up from the car park. We walked up the road. And we started to chat about Stonehenge some more. And I said, look at that, Nick Gray. And suddenly I felt a tug of the hand. I looked down. And he went like that. Because from his immature place and the place he was at, he couldn't see what the father could see. I scooped down. I picked him up. He put his arms around me. He said, that's better. Because suddenly, he had the father's view. He could see what he needed to see because he had the father's view. 
I don't know where you're at, guys. What I do know is this. I'm going to encourage you now. Ready? Here we go. Coming to the end. I'm going to land this plane right now. What I do know is this. There are times in my Christian walk experience I felt so alone. There have been times when I've been in a church full of people like this today, but I felt so remote and disconnected from God. God doesn't want that for my life or your life. There are times when I've looked around and wondered, what is all the vision for my life all about? Where are we as a church? What's going on? And it seems like it's just been a place of desolation around about me. I don't know what direction we're going in. We seem to be just fumbling around. It seems to be a remote place. It seems to be a desolate place. God, could you just take this responsibility away from me? Do I need to go to church on a Sunday morning? Yes, you do. Andrew used to say, you're the pastor. Okay. I better go then. Could I not just go to the garden center with everybody else and not worry about it? Do I have to take this responsibility? Because I don't feel like I've got anything. I feel like I'm spent. I've been on a journey of ministering for so long, just year in and year out. I don't know what else to do. I've been there. I know what it feels like. I'm sure Paul Janice, you've been there. I don't know what else I can give. Just saying, come on. How much time you got? Why don't you come spend some time with me? Because you're not seeing it through the Father's eyes. Your remoteness doesn't need to be a place of disconnect with me. But the remoteness is a place we come aside. We spend in each other's company. The king and I. It doesn't have to be a place of desolation. Yes, there's no leader at the moment. But you're standing in a fruitful place. You're standing in a green grassy place. And if I've got one thing to do for you guys today, it's to turn you 180 degrees away from that thing that's captivating your mind of the wilderness and turning you to the green, lush, grassy place. Where Jesus says, sit down, take the weight off your feet, rest, be fed, and see the miracle that you already have contained within you. Reach the multitude. Rest in it. Because everything you need for this season is everything you already contain. You could be in the same place, but today you could have a different view. Andy, would you be able to just play for me? Is that okay? Thank you. Should we do that day and night, night and day, let incense rise? That, that one we do, is that okay? You're worthy of it all. Fantastic. So my challenge to you guys is this. Are you willing to take off the view you've got? You're willing to take off the contained view 
feeling remote and desolate and saying, I recognize God. I'm standing in the place of the miracle. And today, I'm going to do it differently. I'm going to declare that everything that I've got in me is what you need, God. I'm not going to look for the solution like we have in the past as a church. We've looked for someone to come like the cavalry that will come in and bring new vision, new direction, that will lift us from the place we feel we're at and will take us somewhere new and somewhere fresh and eventually that might happen. It might be someone will come. Hey, let's not look for a solution, but let's realize this. You are the solution. You are everything God wants you to be. And yet it might be small, just like that mushroom seed. Not the mushroom seed, the mustard seed. Just like that mustard seed where in the scripture it says in, in Mark chapter 4, it says, For the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It's the smallest seed. But yet when it's planted... Planted where? It's planted in the ground. Not planted in a remote place in the wilderness. But when something small is taken and it's planted in the ground of the lush place that God's placed you, it begins to bear fruit. See, and then it says that small seed, the potential contained in the seed, becomes one of the largest plants in the garden. You see, the seed is about potential. The plant growing is about growth. It then says, and the branches become long, so that those who need shade can come and build their homes within the shade. If there's a prophetic voice for you today, it's this. God is calling the smallness of your potential and seed to be planted in the lush place of the miracle that you may grow into what God wants you to be, that you may be as strong and as big as God wants you to be. That's not about numeric, that is about being strong. That's about being tall. That's about being who God wants you to be. Potential into growth. And then as you grow, it says you reach out. And as the arms and, the, and the, the branches reached out, those who needed shelter became and had shelter in it. I believe God's bringing you from potential into a real state of growth and being strong in yourself. That you may stretch out and reach and to stand more and bring, bring shelter and relief and guidance to those who need to build new homes under your wings. God wants to bring something to you. We've got to recognise it. I want to see it in a different way. You see, I finish with this. We can be sometimes within Pentecostal circles always transfixed with an upward cycle of growth with an upward cycle of being fruitful all the time. Nothing in nature is constantly fruitful. 
It doesn't happen. There are seasons that happen. In farming, there are fallow years. When they leave it, so the ground becomes nutrients again, so it can grow in a bigger harvest. And what happens with a tree is this, that it is fruitful and looks great. And then when the season changes, the sap that was there in the branches to bring nourishment to that and bring fruitfulness, it is drawn back from the branches and it's drawn down the trunk and it's drawn into the roots. And at that time it happens, the green leaves turn brown and they fall to the ground and suddenly it looks a little exposed, hey, it looks a little bare. But yet the sap is in the roots now and it's taking a firmer foundation. The roots are growing greater than they ever have been before. Can you see, they say the strongest season for the tree is not when it's fruitful, but it's when its roots are being nourished. And guys, realize this. There is a season of nourishment and blessing that God's saying, don't look at the destruction, don't look at the desolation, don't look at the remoteness, but look in the fruitfulness of where I placed you. Have eyes and see something different than you've never seen before because your season you are in at the moment is the strongest season you have ever been in before. He is pouring into your roots like you have never had. And as you allow your roots to be nourished like any tree, there comes a change in a season where it says you are now strong enough. You stand firm in the fruitfulness of God, that the sap begins to rise back into the trunk. It suddenly begins to become alive and those branches start to bear fruit. They start to bear leaves and things start to happen because it is secure in where it stands. And my call to you today is stand firm in the fruitfulness of what God has placed you. It's a lush place. It's a miracle place. It's a place where God wants to restore you and fill you and bring you good, good roots so you can be fruitful in due season. And if that is a cry that you can respond to, if that's something that you can say, yeah, I'm up for that. I've been there, guys. I know. I've said, God, make me strong. God, do something that I've never seen before. I'm not moving from this place because I need to be fruitful. And God has been faithful. And if that's a cry that you can respond to, you say, God, it's about me and you. Just pour into my life. If that's what you can respond to today, would you stand with me right now? Do it if you want. Not because everyone else is doing it. Do it because God's speaking to your life. Foster your heart. If you're comfortable with this, why don't you just, in some way, raise your hands to receive from God? Let incense rise. God, the stench from our hearts has sometimes been something that hasn't been pleasant. 
because from our hearts has raised frustration, annoyance of situations, bewilderment. For God, we turn away from the desolation of our hearts. When we recognize, we see things through your eyes, that in this season we stand in a nourishing place, a place of fruitfulness, a place of the miracle, everything that's needed is contained in us and allow the smell the incense of our lives to rise to be a pleasant wonderful aroma an aroma of heaven that'll make us strong an aroma that'll captivate the hearts of community an aroma that brings a closeness of a relationship, a brother and sister in this place, an aroma that puts down a fence and will not hold it any longer, but will stand with forgiveness and grace in our hearts, an aroma that stands with compassion, the aroma that mirrors the compassion of God and the mercy of God, an aroma that is wonderful to you, God. God, would you come? bring fruitfulness in due season, God, in the name of Jesus.